Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. Shay, it is Mailbag Mondays. Monday Mailbag? I don't know. We got to figure out how we're going to brand it. But it is Monday, and we are answering questions from our board. Um, so if you haven't already, or if you listen to the podcast and you are not a subscriber and you want to send questions, uh, you can get an entire year subscription for a dollar. Still, we are running that uh, promo as um, as as far as I know at this moment. And you can send your questions there on our board. We have a very active board and very active content. As everybody knows, Shay had a very busy morning posting a couple interesting recruiting tidbits, but we're not going to talk about those here. That's for the recruiting podcast tomorrow. So Shay, are you ready to go? Are you ready to answer some questions? I'm in. I'm rocking. I'm, I'm answering questions on the board and on the chat right now. I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. Don't worry. You got you got your Coca-Cola ready? Uh, absolutely. All right. Good. All right. Um, we're just going to go right through the questions. Uh, I'm not going to attribute names, but um, pretty much just typed them out. And so here we go. First things first, what are the best options at linebacker and center moving forward? And I, I'll answer this first. I, we talked a little bit about this last podcast, but our own personal opinions at linebacker, it's really hard to tell for me uh, at this moment because the Florida State game was so challenging with Jordan Travis's legs. I mean, I think Baskerville's the best coverage linebacker by a good amount. Um, I think Greg Penn is still um, has has a lot of potential. I think Mike Jones has still has to find his footing. So there's question marks there. All of the linebackers that they have have question marks to me. West Weeks at times, I don't like his eyes. Um, Harold Perkins is young. So is there a perfect answer? I don't know. If I had to pick, I'd probably go Baskerville and Penn at this moment to start at this moment. And then center. And then at center, I would it's kind of the same thing. There's not a, there's not one flawless answer here. I like what they're trying, what they tried against Southern with Charles Turner and with Dellinger at guard. I would probably keep that going forward. Uh, yes. I like the, I don't think Dellinger was terrible at center. No matter what you're putting someone who's playing center for the first time there. So whether it's Charles Turner or Garrett Dellinger, there is that element. That being said, I trust what Brian Kelly said. I trust what I saw. Charles Turner played fine, and he he was snapping the ball cleanly. I trust what Brian Kelly said after the game, which was that Charles Turner's communication is at a level that Garrett Dellinger's is not. And sometimes it's over-communicating, he said, because Charles is is smart and, and really has a grip on what they need him to do. And uh, I think that's what they need there. Over-communication is better than a lack of communication. So – not like Dellinger's on the bench. He moves to left guard. You've moved Frazier to right tackle. Everyone thought Kim Wire struggled the most against Florida State uh, as the starters. Then this kind of approach here with the starting five would put him as the sixth man onto the bench. So I like that for now. I like that. As you said, I don't think we have a definitive answer because the O-line is still being kind of moved around and, and we'll see how they continue to fare against different teams. I'm with you on the linebacker. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I I don't think we have a big enough sample size. Like, I'm not completely off the Mike Jones train. I'm not completely on the Greg Penn train. I remember at Florida State when everyone was saying, 
Greg Penn doesn't look like he's very good. Now, this past game, people were saying, well, Greg Penn played fine. It's Mike Jones that's not playing well. I think you're playing obvious. Southern, just throw that one out. When you play Mississippi State, that is a completely different approach than one you'll see in almost every other game where coverage linebackers are important. Micah Baskerville being one. I think that's Mike Jones's strength. If Mike Jones struggles in this game, I worry a little bit more because playing in the box, all that he's had to learn to do over the past you know year and a half, two years. But we're talking about a high school safety at IMG who then played nickel at Clemson, who then's moving to kind of a, a linebacker role, middle backer in the SEC. Coverage-wise, that's kind of should be his forte. So in a game like Mississippi State, where Will Rogers is the quarterback and Mike Leach is going to throw it 50-something times, maybe Baskerville and Mike Jones are your best options. But, yeah. look, I like what we've seen from Weeks. I like the idea of Perkins playing more. They put him at that jack spot, which obviously B.J. Ojolari is going to get most all your reps there. Uh, but I'm still, I, th- I thought it was good to get him onto the field. Desmond Little played well, so he'll get some, you know, jack position reps. Um, I don't. I just don't know. I, I think it's too early to write any of them off. And by that same token, it's too early for me to say definitively, I would be playing these two guys first and, and a large majority of the snaps. Yeah. All right. Thanks for your question. Next up we have, what is the cause of the lack of a deep passing game? And... I think you, you kind of mentioned it, but I think we could throw the Southern game out to a degree. I, I just don't think that they were looking to really bomb them, and especially when they got the ball on like the 20-yard line to start the game, and then they had a pick six and the, another fumble, and it just never felt like it was a priority for them to push the ball down the field. I will, um, the only big play was, I think, the Nussmeyer pass as far as um, as far as far pure like ball in the air throwing um, down the field. But the Florida State game, I think it was interesting. Brian Kelly kind of mentioned this. They were playing off of Kayshawn, and so he said they had to adjust to that. That's what the answer was to his question after the game is when they got Kayshawn more involved. He was like, we just have to get him the ball in the short stuff and go. Still, moving forward, they're going to have to have some semblance of a deep passing game or at least take some shots down the field. The first thing is why they weren't able to do it against Florida State was because the offensive line, right? The offensive line did not allot them that time to for deep developing routes. Um, obviously Jaden with that in mind, tucked, tucked the ball a lot and very early on. And then I think third Florida state played real soft. They played, um, they forced, um, LSU to kind of, to take the underneath stuff and for the linebackers to really, um, take away any receiver stuff over the middle. So with all that being said, I think, we will start to see more of it because I think we have to, to a degree. You can't just sit here and hope Jaden Daniels can break these long runs and that be your explosive plays of the game. I think for me, I'll take this from a, like if we're wanting to throw out the Southern game, which I agree with, and the first game of the year kind of feeling things out and you described how Florida State played them defensively. So things are going to continue to kind of evolve uh, in terms of how defenses are approaching LSU the rest of the way. I'll take it from sort of the overall, you know, thousand foot view of offenses and defenses here. LSU can't run the ball right now with any running backs. They just can't. And John Emery comes back this week. That's a difference maker for you. If John Emery's out there breaking out, you know, eight yard run, 12 yard run, seven yard run, 10 yard run, six yard run 
the defenses naturally are going to have to start moving up and they're not going to be able to rely on their front four or, you know, the front seven to stop everything in the run game. So when they become a bit more honest against the run, then you can pop some passes deep. And I think that's all part of what, you know, Denbrock, Denbrock is not going to go through a whole season and be like, we're not throwing it deep. Jaden Daniels can throw it deep. It's not like they don't have a quarterback that can't complete a deep ball pass. I mean, it's, I think it's simply a thing is as this offense becomes more evolved and more of multidimensional and not just kind of we're dinking and dunking and we're letting Jaden run it. When this becomes an actual John Emery, your starting running back is getting yards for you. I think that's when play action, whatever it might be, they'll start moving towards kind of more of a deep game. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the balance will be interesting. You kind of preview our next question. Uh, I don't know if you looked at the script or not, Shay. But um, it is. I'm just is rolling. It, no script. Is it overly optimistic to think John Emery is going to t- make a noticeable improvement in the run game against uh, Mississippi State when he hasn't played in over a year? You can go ahead. Yes, yes, because okay. I I think any improvement will be noticeable right now. If we're asking if it's a noticeable improvement, then yes, because right now they're averaging basically nothing on the ground. Like Armani Goodwin had some good runs against Southern, but it's Southern. I don't even know if they even had first teamers in on some of these runs. So I th- if I'm throwing that out, then they're back to that game one of they were rushing it for two yards of play or whatever. And I feel like John Emery brings them a different element. The O-line's a bit, you know, settled in to an extent now. At least guys have a couple games under their belt. Uh, you know what Jaden Daniels can do. The receivers have all gotten through a couple games where they all caught balls. So – yeah, I, I absolutely – I think 100% you will notice this week that LSU has somebody different at running back than they did the first two games. Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about before, Noah Kane is not the explosive guy. Armani Goodwin I thought actually looked good against Southern, but again, how much can you take from that game? Uh, I think John Emery is the number one back. I think he'll be the best back. And I think to a degree, obviously, the offensive line coming together will have to – aid in that as well and so from an overall standpoint Denbrock figuring out what he has what he can do the offensive line coming together and Emory being the best back I the hope is against Mississippi State that you can run the ball here and that you can um, you can at least make them want to come forward a little bit more in their coverage because at times it can be really soft so that'll be interesting I said this year before the season um and it doesn't mean I'm right. In fact, I'm probably wrong. Now I could probably change this to quarterback, Jaden Daniels. But I said the most important piece, this was before even word broke of Emory being uh, out for a couple games. I said the one person on this team they cannot lose is John Emory. And they've already lost Mason Smith now. Uh, but you still have some other guys there, like not Mason Smith level. And now you're thin at DT, but you got to transfer in in Makai Wingo. You've got Jaquel and Roy and Guillory. You'll see if you can kind of shift up your fronts and looks and do different things um, to mask that you lost your best defensive player, the best player on the team. I think Mason Smith's the best player on the team. I think Keishon Butte's next. I don't think John Emery is the first or second best player on the team, but I thought he was the most important piece because we're seeing these first two weeks what happens to your run game when you don't have him. Your run game essentially has become whatever Jaden Daniels can do. And – Moving forward, I think that Emory, the year off, there's rust to be had. But, I mean, it's not like he he wasn't injured and, like, sat around for, like, nine months and then has slowly worked it back in. Like, he was academically suspended from playing, 
So he's still been able to work out every day. He's still in shape. So I almost feel like you're letting the tiger out of a cage in this sense of he's been ready. Like he's was ready to go a year at this, a year ago at this time, he's had to wait, 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 wait. Uh, I just think he comes out and has a big game. So yeah, I, I do think there will be noticeable improvement because I thought he was one guy that if you took him out of the equation, you wouldn't have a run game. And I'm not far off from being that being true right now. Yeah. All right. Next question. Do you think the offensive line we saw against Southern will be the offensive line for the rest of the year? No, absolutely not. All right. What what, what changes are you proposing? Or what but, do you well, think they, they have 10 more games. Offensive linemen get hurt more than anyone else. They're quicker to be pulled for bad play than yeah. anybody else. And we've already seen them try multiple combinations through two games. Like, they picked a starting five out of camp and immediately changed it week two. Like they're not going to just stop right there, in my opinion. I and mean, you've got to continue to figure out what the best five are. Plus, I've said from the start, there will be a time this year Emory Jones is starting. There might be, a, as a true freshman at guard, there might be a time where Tremont Schwartz, the transfer, is starting out of East Tennessee State. Both those guys get in the game this past weekend. They could move Wire back in if they ever feel like he's back to – playing at the level he was in camp or at least whatever got him into that first starting lineup. So uh, no, I, I would be absolutely floored if some, if they came out with an O-line in this game that they kept for every game the rest of the year. I think there's a decent chance. Obviously this is projecting a lot, but there's a decent chance that Dellinger could move back to center at some point. And we haven't even seen Charles Turner play against an SEC opponent yet at center, but I'm just thinking there is a way that in this shuffling of everything where if you wanted to move Tremont shorts in um, and move Dellinger back to center, like there's options here to where I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if after the Mississippi state game, again, we're talking about another offensive line change. So we'll see. All right. Do you think, or do the results this, uh, do the results from this week and change y'all season outlook? And I'm assuming this partially means LSU against Southern, I guess, but more so it could be just around the SEC with AM losing, Bama looking vulnerable, Florida losing to Kentucky, Auburn and Tennessee both struggling. I'm assuming that's what this question's about. I for me for I me guess it, I, it kind is of Is that how you read it? Yeah, I read it as this weekend's game. Is I man, I guess I wasn't thinking right. Like, does it matter what happens between state and LSU? Hmm. Let's see. I, I don't have the question up anymore. Let's see. Um, let's read it. Let's read exactly what he thought. Because sometimes I just re reword it. Oh no, no. This says this past weekend's game. Okay, cool. Let's rock past Southern. Weekend. Okay. Um, yeah, Southern, and then I, like I said, I think taking the rest of the SEC into consideration, I think makes it an interesting question because yeah, you can AM looks definitely beatable right now, right? With with their offense. So you have to take into account. I'm not saying LSU is a world beater at this point, but you know that maybe people who went into LSU AM in theory were like, that's gonna be a tough game. Maybe it's more even now. Um Auburn struggled with San Jose State. Uh Tennessee and Florida struggled with good opponents, but obviously they are they're not, you know, gonna be top ten teams in the country, most likely. Um, and then Bama, you know, we saw LSU push Bama last year. Maybe you get them at home. Maybe that th- the chance of winning that game becomes a little bit more viable uh, this year. So did the schedule get significantly easier this past weekend? I don't know. It's college football and things happen. But 
Um, I think it still comes down to can LSU put it together, you know, on a consistent basis going into SEC play more than what I think other teams do. Because I think the talent in the SEC is is what it is. Like you're going to play Tennessee and the talent level of Tennessee is going to be there. It's just can LSU schematically and, you know, as a unit, as a team uh, match up with them. So it doesn't change for you? No, I don't think it does. I'm still I'm still at eight and four. Seven yeah, and five, I, like that. I went eight and four with a win over eight and at the end and said, hey, look, if A&M's playing really well all year, this could be a loss. It'll be seven and five. I sort of felt like eight was the ceiling. I'm on track, I feel like, because I had them losing to state this weekend. But I, and I think state's a really good team. Like I may yeah, pick them still to lose that game. And I don't think that'll be any knock on LSU. I just think state's further along in their coaching development of what Leach wants to do and then what they want to do on the defensive side. They've had stability, and this is the best roster they've had since Leach was there. Uh, we'll talk more about State later in the week, but I picked them to lose this game, but I picked them to win Florida State. So if they end up winning this weekend, then that kind of evens out for me. I had already picked them to lose to AM. I don't think AM is a good football team at all, uh, certainly offensively. They can't move the football. Devin Achen at running back doesn't bust a big one for them. Um, other than that, everything sort of stayed the same. Like, I think they're going to play Tennessee and beat them in a really good game in Tiger Stadium. I think they're going to beat Auburn, who I already thought stunk um, on the road. And then there's games in there that I still don't think they're going to win, like Arkansas or Bama. Um, you know, there's others in Arkansas there. Looks, so, Arkansas looks really good. For yeah, there's just teams I don't think they're as good as. So, uh, no, I think – this past weekend's games and maybe notably like an A&M loss and how some of these other SEC teams are playing only backs up what I thought before the year. I didn't think any, I did not think A&M was ever going to be good. And I thought Arkansas and teams like that were going to be good. So I'm on, I'm still moving along. You're sitting pretty, you're sitting pretty with your predictions. Um, I don't know. Right. Nobody would have said that last I don't know. After Florida state, nobody said I was sitting pretty at eight and four. So we'll chill. <laughs> Do not let the Southern game get to us. Okay, College football, on. man. College football. Um, all right, next question. Do you think Nussmeyer can make enough mental progress to become an effective quarterback in the SEC? Last podcast, we ranted. I kind of ranted about that was my the most disappointing thing to me was the, the lack of mental progression and how he approached the game it looked like. I, I think he can. I think he can make enough mental progress here. I, I don't think this is a situation where we're looking like a Max Johnson or something like that, where I just don't think he'll turn the, ever turn the corner. It's Nussmeyer's redshirt freshman season. And while I thought he'd be farther along, and it looks like I'm wrong on that, who says by the time he's a redshirt sophomore or a redshirt junior, he, he hasn't made that turn. And I think that's very realistic. In, in two years at the very – Worst case situation, I don't know if he'll be starting for LSU in two years. I have no clue what – because guessing where quarterback's going to be in two years is uh, playing the lottery at this point in in the college football. But in two years, I think, yeah, he could, in theory, uh, make that – make that uh, get around the corner. Yep, way too early to write anybody off when the kids never started a college game before. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, when he goes in – He's still stuck on hero ball. Like, we don't need to drag him through the mud again. He knows he didn't play well on Saturday. He knows he turned the ball over a couple times and pretty inexplicably, one leading to a touchdown and 
ended up, you know, they didn't get the the shutout at that point because of it. That was Southern's first points on that pick six. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that he's got a mentality as a backup to where, oh man, I need to go in there and I need to light it up so that so that now I'm back into a deeper discussion about how much I should be playing instead of just going out there and executing what Joe Sloan, um, you know, wants him to do as the quarterbacks yeah. coach, which is. This like you, you mentioned Max Johnson, and we could go through a lot of quarterbacks in LSU yesterday where you're like, huh, well, can they make that that turn? A lot of that would be physical discussion. Like, is he t- actually talented enough to do what we want him to do? That's not the case with Nussmeyer. Like Nussmeyer had well, most quarterback rooms he's going to be in, he'll have the best arm in there. And he grew up in locker rooms. His dad is a, both a coach and a player he understands the game. He understands what it means to be a teammate, like behind closed doors. Nussmeyer is one of the perfect teammates. Like you want that kind of guy on your squad. His issue right now is just when it gets to coming into the game, it's, Hey, I'm in my head thinking I really got to make something happen or I'm just never going to play this year. And once he figures out that that's not the case and he needs to, that his best chance to continue to play this year would be just go in and operate the offense and protect the football then it'll be better. So no, way too early to write off Nussmeyer. He'll be, he'll be fine down the line. The only thing we know right now is they made the right choice on the starting quarterback, because right now you want the guy who has started 30 something games, not the guy who's trying to go out there and without a a start under his belt ever, um, you know, trying to to play gunslinger. Yeah, definitely. The the talent is, is never, and has never been uh, the question mark at this point, especially. And then with his dad, and with Joe Sloan in there, I think they'll get him turned at, at some point, and he'll oh he'll it. have a lot of quarterbacks uh, talking to him between his dad and Sloan and Denbrock and all that. So he'll be yeah, fun. He'll be fun. All right, uh, what's the earliest possible timeline for both Emory Jones and Harold Perkins to contribute um, as starter level players? Um, midseason is what I said for both, and I think that's still fine to think like. I think you're in the process of getting feet wet. Like Emory played really for the first time against Southern. You want to kind of get him into some more SEC stuff. Uh, Harold Perkins, special teams as well, but then really got some run against Southern. But so did everybody on the team. Like everybody was playing. So I want to see first when they're in some tight games here in the next week or two, how much they actually turn to those guys before I say exactly a a firm date. But other than that, I'll say midseason because that's long enough to – to put them out there and get their feet wet. Yeah. If I think for Emory Jones, if Emory Jones isn't like, I don't know at what point you just kind of, I don't want to say retroed him, but because I think he could be a, a part of it, but I don't know when you decide that. I don't know when you decide, you know, if you're in game eight, game nine of the season and Emory Jones has played two games, I don't think you then roll with him. And as, as a key contributor on the offensive line, I it, it's, it's tough to gauge for me. I think Harold Perkins has the talent I think I, he's definitely not going to redshirt. He's obviously played special teams in the first game, so he's he's going to play. But um, you know, contributing at a starter level that to me that means half the game, start playing for a third or half the game, something like that. And who knows with this linebacker core? But I, I I don't know if I see that in the first half of the season at least. So like you said, halfway point in the season, I think we'll be in a better position to answer this and be able to see. Is Emory Jones going to register? Is Harold Perkins going to be able to start at some point? That's the mark um, of that. But if we're guessing earliest possible timeline, I think you're right. I think halfway point of the season, game six, probably after the Auburn game. All right, next question. We got um, 
two more here. Uh, what are the what are the coaches and admin thoughts on the atmosphere for the Southern game? Do they feel it helped with recruiting? Personally, I thought the atmosphere was great. Um, Shay, I know you have something on this, but I I love that game, and I can I can imagine as a recruit and as a uh, parent or anything like that, just seeing a full stadium for a game against an FCS school. I mean, what more could you ask for? That was awesome. Yeah, here I'll read you off with uh, Robert Steeples, who's LSU's cornerbacks coach um, said about this. And you got to remember Steeples is the youngest coach on staff in terms of on-field staff. A couple of years ago, he was a high school head coach, a really successful one for a team he built up into a national power. Then he went and became an assistant at the NFL level with the Vikings. Now he's coaching corners at LSU. So he's very relatively new to the SEC, college football, all of that. And week two, his first home game, he gets a taste of a sold out Tiger Stadium. Uh, He put on a Twitter, he said, my thoughts on my first Death Valley experience. I'm a pretty laid back guy, but at Tiger Walk, I got butterflies, the good ones. And the pregame buzz had the hairs on my arm standing up. By the time we ran out of the tunnel, I was ready to suit up. I've heard stories, but this place is special. It moves you in a different way, stirs up your emotions. You feel like the entire fan base is on the field with you. I've never experienced anything like this, and I've been to a Super Bowl. Can't wait to see how Death Valley turns up for SEC play. Sums it up perfect. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, that was it was a lot of fun. So Great we'll see how, Yeah, and Mississippi State coming up next. And it's so nice having these early home games stretch where you can really get people bought in, even if even if they do lose Mississippi State, I think they'll be all right on that side. Um, quickly, I threw this one in at the end because I wasn't sure how long we were going to go. But quick concern levels for Mississippi State. I know you said you you had them losing this before the season, and Mississippi State to this point beat Arizona by a few scores and then beat Memphis pretty comfortably. They look about as good as we thought they were going to look coming in. Will Rogers is clicking. I, I mean, I watched a little bit of the Memphis game coming in. Uh, we'll have full preview podcast later, and I'll have a um, preview uh, with some film study on on them coming up. But real quick, your concern level for Mississippi State here. I think we found out how good these LSU corners actually are. We thought they played well against State. They were untested against Southern. Um, we'll see and what the happens. Communication in this one. too. The communication in the back and, end. And Brian Kelly saying the communication in the back end with the safeties had to improve after Florida State. This will be the game that that really tests you because. Mississippi State is going to do what Mike Leach does, throw it 50-something times, and that does not mean Hail Mary's on every play. That means his rule, I mean, is very easy. Where do we throw it? To the person that's open. They're running short routes. They're doing whatever they can to put themselves in third manageable. And we saw when Florida State got in third manageable, they made LSU pay for it every single time. It sort of, at least it felt that way. So, Right now on Monday, I think LSU loses this game. And I don't. it's not that I don't think that they made progress from Southern or they're headed in the right direction. I just think it's three years from now, I think LSU would win the game. But Mike Leach isn't working with an offseason of players where they got down to 40 scholarship guys. In fact, this is the best team he's had. Arnett's been there now, what, a few years as the yeah. D.C. Um, and has them really settled in. And def- defensively and offensively, they return more starters than at any point. Uh, than in the Mike Leach era, and you mentioned Will Rogers. Will Rogers has thrown – it was clear he had settled in as a Mike Leach quarterback last year when he was breaking records. Now he's settled in to the point he's – like everyone's like excited right now about Jane Daniels being a 78% passer, which is kind of unheard of. But he's got like 50 passes on the year and hadn't taken a ton of risks or whatever. Will Rogers is over 80%, and he's thrown it 100 and something times. Like 
they are not going to mess up. They're going to continue to efficiently move down the field. Um, this, this will be one of LSU's tougher games of the year. I know people see state on the opposite side and don't think that, but this is going to be a tough game. I'll, I'll see how the week goes right now. I think they'll lose the game though. Yeah. I, I mean, you kind of, you hit on everything. I think the pass rush for LSU is going to have play a huge, huge part in it. Obviously without Mason Smith, it'll be interesting, but BJ O'Jolari has to be really good. My concern level is pretty high. I don't know who I'm picking right now. I, the only the the biggest thing for me is the fact it's at home. That's that's huge. The LSU needed this game to be at home to me because if this was on the road, like last year, even though they beat Mississippi State last year on the road, there was very different circumstances at this point. Mississippi State after that loss ends up kind of picking up um, and going from there. So I do not know at this point. I know the spread is three. That's much I do know. Mississippi State's favored by three, and that's that much I do know. <laughs> That's about right. I think I think it'll be a great game. It'll yeah. be close. Yeah. All right. That wraps it up for this um, Mailbag Monday episode. We hope you all enjoyed it. Subscribe. Share the podcast with a friend. Uh, send it over to any LSU people you know. Um, you can send them the, our reaction podcast. You can send them this podcast. We had a recruiting podcast coming on Tuesdays. Um, and we go from there every week. So we hope you all uh, – um, enjoy these and interact with us on our board. Uh, this is where we got the questions from. If you're not already, become a subscriber for a dollar for an entire year. Um, and yeah, we thank you all for joining us and we'll talk to you all later.